Welcome to This Osteopathic Life. This is Dr. Amelia Beakey. I am honored to share with you the philosophy that has underscored my personal and professional life and explore how osteopathy truly is for the health of all things. I see these principles in action every day in my varied roles as physician, parent, athlete, writer, musician, coach, and entrepreneur, and hope they will light the way for the path to your best health. Please note that while I am a physician, this podcast is intended to share general information and encourage discussion about medicine, health, and related subjects. The content provided in this podcast and in any linked materials is not intended and should not be construed as medical advice. Thank you for joining me for episode six of season two of This Osteopathic Life. I join you again today from my backyard in Ashland, but an entirely different universe than what it seemed last week. And I originally wanted to record this podcast over the weekend and get back on kind of a Saturday rhythm but the words just never came together. And I kept thinking, I have a lot of feelings, but not a lot of words at this time about everything that is going on. And so today, I feel like the words are gathering themselves and are ready to emerge and hopefully lead us to a meaningful place and perhaps a place of action in health, ideally. A word that kept coming up for me particularly today was surrender. We've already had a podcast called Resistance and Surrender in season one. And I don't necessarily want to repeat myself. And the concept actually is a bit different than it was in that podcast. But I think the overarching theme today is going to be not normal. And normal can be tricky word. It can be a trigger word for some people. But I think about the use of normal in medicine and going back to the earliest days in medical school and pathology slides and looking at identifying the tissue and seeing what was normal and not normal in those pictures. Think about those first days of clinical exam training and earliest rotations when you might be sent in with the patient and you'd done enough practice exams on your colleagues and mock patients that identified the normal, and you were seeing this patient and you knew something wasn't right, something didn't fit the usual picture, something wasn't normal, but maybe you weren't seasoned enough or experienced enough or had enough clinical exposure to know what exactly the abnormality was. And it feels like that's where we are right now. We've seen enough normal in our day-to-day life if we accept that word to know that right now things aren't there. This is a life not as usual and how we approach that, accept that, address that remains to be seen and I think is going to be the greatest test and the greatest telling of our humanity in these difficult times. So as I look at my own day, yesterday I used the word strange, which can be an aberration from normal as well. You know, normally I would get up, my alarm goes off at 0407 for the military and medical timekeepers. 
and I'd practice a 20 minute meditation and I would turn the heat up in my house. So when my family woke up, it would be warmer. And I'd start the tea kettle and get ready to go to the gym, packing my bag. I would remote start the car just briefly, just enough to de-ice the windows. And then I'd head off. One of my laments, no longer living one block from the gym that I own and where I coach, but alas. And then I coach a class and then I train in a class while one of my coaches takes over, complete some challenges in the gym, and then I return home and my family's awake in the warmer house and having breakfast and my husband has graciously prepared mine for me and I will wash my hands and eat and then get ready hurriedly to leave with everyone and be dropped in my office as they head off to school. Then I typically see patients for the majority of the day, so between 8 a.m. through till 5, 5.30, p.m. Hopefully, if I'm able, pausing in the noon hour to add a second 20-minute meditation and sometimes have a coaching call or return calls for patients or troubleshoot issues that are happening at the gym. And then I walk home and kind of decompress listen to a podcast, listen to music, walk past the track and have many fond memories of running practices in high school and then return home. And there would be afternoon events, twos and fros from practice or gymnastics or dance or music lessons and dinner getting ready, homework being done, looking to tasks for my fellowship or life coach school work. Um, or the podcast here. And then a bit of after school, after dinner frenzy until they're settling and movement toward bedtime and reading. And oftentimes, more than I'd like to admit, spending time looking at updates on my phone as my daughter falls asleep. And then debating, do I go to bed now or do I try to get things done work-wise, reading-wise, tidying-wise, and then starting over again the next day. Yesterday, that was not at all what happened. And being out of that rhythm is really disorienting. You know, when you are used to a normal and it's suddenly gone, you feel misguided. You're kind of floating free. And there is certainly a benefit to downtime and opening of space, but there's also some insecurity in the lack of rhythm and also seeing there are so many things that need to be done and not knowing which should come first. And then in this moment, processing all of that information online from the news, from my physician groups, from the CrossFit groups I'm in, managing the closure of my gym and my medical practice and how to best be of service to the greater good and health of the community at large. It's a lot to hold. And it was kind of a power through Sunday night and into Monday. And then today, I'm just tired and somewhat physically tired. And I don't want to work out which is generally a red flag for me. I didn't yesterday because I simply had 
many other things happening during the day, logistics that I had to navigate and juggle. And so I thought today, Tuesday, used to be my, what I call a bro session. I'd spend all day at the gym coaching and in between coaching classes, I would work out and my daughter would come and my co-coach would be there and we'd have these epic workout sessions. And I thought Tuesday, that's what I'm going to do. But it's different. It's a different energy when the gym is closed and it's just me. As I said before, I'm totally used to training myself. You know, I was a long time solo endurance athlete and had no problem motivating or finding my way to the gym or to the great outdoors. But today I have wanted nothing to do with it. And I think it's largely kind of a sense of loss, a mourning process, some grieving for the departure from normal and letting normal go and moving on to what is right now that is unusual, that's strange, that's not normal, but it's the present state of affairs and how to orient to that and embrace it even and live within it and then seek to change the pieces that are within my control to support a return to maybe a better version of normal on the other side. And so as I thought about that word surrender today, it kept coming up. I you know, tried to rest, did some reading about surrender, surrender. And like I had said before, I don't want it to be giving up and giving in and this kind of passive loss. But what if surrender can be go with? And so there's movement right now. You know, we are on a trajectory. And what if surrendering means we're going with this shift in the times, but we have the opportunity to shift the direction and the velocity and ultimately the outcome in the aftermath on the other side. And so looking to what can I do right now with the resources that I have where I am, which in and of itself is a challenging question because as I've mentioned, I've lived between Oregon and Michigan over the course of this past year and actually right about now is when we started our journey back from Northwest Michigan to Southern Oregon to resume the end of the school year in Ashland in Oregon. And now we were planning on returning to Michigan for spring break, for a two-week spring break. That was the normal pause in my children's school. And we don't know. You know, that's probably not an option. Interstate travel may become limited soon. I think about resources and not being in the middle of the country with nowhere to stay, should there be a pause on that. But hearing from my kids where they would rather be stranded, and some of it has to do with creature comforts, and the fact that the house in Michigan is very much more our home and cozy. But we have responsibilities here in Southern Oregon, though they're shifting markedly, professionally and academically and socially, as they are for everyone across the country and across the globe. So what can I do here where I am? And as I mentioned, I closed my medical practice in addition to the CrossFit affiliate that I run to follow the recommendations from the health authorities and the CDC to 
limit non-essential medical care and resources, and to minimize in-person contact, practicing the social isolation in an attempt to flatten the curve amid the COVID-19 pandemic. And it can be a hard thing to stop and say, the care I'm providing is not essential. And many patients and my colleagues across my own practice and more broadly, and myself would say that the care is essential. It's promoting the health and sustaining the lives of these people in the long term and looking at chronic conditions and pain management and maintaining function and well-being of the body, mind, and spirit. But we're not using the normal, typical day-to-day definition of essential versus non-essential care. And we're looking at where medical resources are going to be needed in the overwhelm of the system that is pending these visits and the fact that they're bringing people out and potentially interacting with one another and in common use spaces with common surfaces they'll be touching, it no longer becomes essential care. There's been a big movement toward telemedicine. And as you all likely know, the majority of my care for patients involves hands-on treatment, osteopathic manipulation, And that's what many patients expect when they present to the office, especially if they've been established for months or years even. And it can be hard to make the leap that there would be any place for telemedicine in our specialty. But as I noted earlier in season one, my experience last year working in Michigan, looking at some of the corporate health interviews, and I think I said a little bit about this last episode too, is that there are merits you know, in application of osteopathic philosophy, principles, and practice beyond the hands-on care. And certainly not saying that it's not important and doesn't have a place, but that there can still be value and support of health through non-tactile, non-in-person contacts. And they did just make an approval for coverage of telemedicine on a broader scale, And so I've been exploring how to offer that to patients and what resource I can be to them right now. As I call patients each day to cancel their appointments and let them know we'll be rescheduling as we know more about the reopening. Some I help to triage if they haven't been feeling well and appropriate use of resources. We have established one drive-through testing site in our area here and when appropriate facilitating that and taking some of the burden off of my primary care colleagues and encouraging patients when it's okay to stay home and when it's important to seek urgent or emergent care to try to send only the most appropriate cases toward my emergency medicine colleagues on the front lines. I've reached out to the clinics in the area and offered my help should they need it. You know, People are expanding their clinical model and calling physicians of various specialties up to help And we'll see where that goes. I'm looking at how my work halfway through the Osteopathic Health Policy Fellowship can be of service here and how on a broader scale we can have an influence. Right now, the most significant issue facing the healthcare workforce is lack of personal protection equipment and inappropriate application of personal protection equipment leading to heightened infections in those frontline healthcare workers 
And so advocating for that and finding the right resources and the best platform to move that forward, you know, something I can do when I'm home and not face-to-face with patients, but can advocate for my colleagues who are, and for those who are likely going to be called up. Looking at the bigger picture of how we're going to sustain through so many closures and feeling those acutely myself, I'm in private practice, so all my revenue is generated by seeing patients, and if there is no alternative, that means there is no revenue. Same for the gym. You know, we're working to move to online programming and how we can keep our coaches afloat during this time. And my sister, who's worked in international management and global relations and is a well-read student of economy and politics in international studies, posted her suggestion of creating a loan for small businesses from the 1%. So these billionaires and trillionaires who can donate into a fund and probably not even notice you know, that their bank accounts have dipped, that can be utilized by small business owners and those who've had to close down during this time as a zero-interest loan that even has potential for forgiveness down the road. And this, to me, sounds like a great opportunity to show the human-to-human outreach. And for those on whatever side of the political spectrum, whether they want big government or not, this is a way to generate sustainability of the economy that's not looking for printing new money or tax impacts that we're going to have to cover down the road, but truly helping one another in a way that creates a sustainable economy, which benefits the greater good. So looking at advocating for that. In the meantime, also looking in my own nucleus here, we're home more, and how we can encourage positive behavior through this time. And what I will say is, it's opened up ideas for connection, even just a few days in, that seems so obvious. But as I think, why don't we do some of these things on an everyday basis? Generally, it's because we're so busy. You know, between all those activities, as I listed that typical day, right, of all the things we go to and from, there's no time to FaceTime cousins, or I should say, there's not a perceived sense of time to be able to do that or, you know, catch up with friends or read that book or spend the time actually practicing instruments and especially for us being on different time zones uh, even when we might be ready to help read a bedtime story it's too late and everyone else has gone to sleep but now because we're not in those after school moments we have that space and you know yesterday my kids were able to read stories to their cousins in Minnesota and connect that way It's also a good lesson in how this to and fro and these living in multiple places and having friends that have moved across the country and across the world to whom we've been able to stay connected has trained us, you know, has conditioned us, has prepared us for this moment that it's possible to love across miles and time zones and boundary lines. And we can stay connected through many merits of technology in ways we never could have imagined, you know. 20 years ago and being grateful for that 
and optimizing that. And also these platforms, like I said, advocating for PPE for healthcare workers, you know, we now can rally 70,000 people pretty quickly online and expand that um, exponentially as well. Another thing I've noticed that's been not normal, unusual, out of the ordinary for me during this time is the lack of use of exclamation points. And I send a lot of text messages and I will say I'm scared to even look at the screen time setting you know, status on your phone if you get those weekly updates and I'm on the phone a lot and I justify some of it for work and much of it is also some numbing activities and distractions. And I've been going down. I've been really doing a good job at reducing time on the phone. But this past week, I can't even imagine. You know, my phone battery has drained by midday. Um, but in any case, I'm starting the Life Coach School certification process next week through the midst of this, but I think perfect timing as there will be a need for that space and workforce in supporting the during and the aftermath of all of this through the pandemic. But what I'm talking about here is someone posted the times. We have a weekly 10-person virtual meetup and you're assigned to a certain coach in a certain time in a certain group once a week for the six-month interval. And so people were posting in a Facebook page, which group are you in? And I posted mine. And I think for the first time all week, I wrote the word yay, Y-A-Y exclamation point. And I stopped and I paused and I wrote as my own reply to myself. And I think that's the first exclamation point I've used all week. And as I stopped and thought about it, I can even recall messages I had sent because I've still been responding to gym management emails and other you know local boards that I'm on and where I might have usually included one, but not too many. You've probably seen those memes where you want to have enough to be excited, but not too many to be perceived as crazy. I found myself consciously not using them, you know, where I would go to type it as a reflex and think, you know, now's not the time. Now's not the time for an exclamation point. But in that post, in that moment, you know, it was a break from everything else on my newsfeed that is COVID-related and indulgent, true, when so many of my colleagues don't even have a moment for a pause. But it felt really good to use an exclamation point and the word yay at that time. And while I don't downplay any of this, you know, I'm acutely aware of the severity and seriousness, especially as I read posts from physician colleagues in Italy and in Spain of how much we need to do, but also seeing from those same countries, the beauty of people singing off of their balconies and cheering for the healthcare workforce, the importance of also keeping elements of joy throughout. And I decided I needed to, to bring back the exclamation point. And so I tried that yesterday and it started to bolster some of my reserve. You know, I dipped back down today and it is a kind of brutally foggy day outside and it feels mostly like the outside and the sky kind of matches the inside today where it's kind of unclear, as I noted, that walk home from work goes past the high school track, and it's usually this beautiful background. It almost looks like a painting where you can see the hillside and the colors, especially this time of year when all the purple 
starts to show up on the green hills and you couldn't see anything. It was just foggy today. And it felt kind of sad and also kind of appropriate because it feels a little foggy. It's a little unclear where we are and where we're going to go and what the horizon might be. But it's also an opportunity to start that clarity from within and project it to the outside. And so I took some time and reached out to friends via phone, practicing appropriate social distancing, and shared some of the joyful things. And whether it's you know my nephew's dancing with gingerbread cookies or my nine-year-old who has apparently watched enough baking shows now to be adept and has crafted ice cream cookie sandwiches for us, which have to be a, a rationed item, I think, or else it will be a very, I don't know, blood sugar challenging um, social isolation time. And just spend some time being more joyful and exclamatory, not in a hostile or fearful way. I've also had time to read the book Untamed by Glennon Doyle, which was just released and I was able to pick up from my local bookstore before everything began closing. And I will note our local bookstore is doing home delivery, so you can order online and they will deliver to your doorstep, which is fantastic. And it's been a great read. And if you haven't followed Glennon on social media or the Together Rising group, I highly recommend it. Um, Well, I highly recommend you investigate it and you can choose whether or not you follow it, obviously. But the book has been truly inspiring and talks to you know, the ups and the downs and the fullness of the human experience. And so in the meantime, that's what's happening here. And so these are becoming our new normals. And parts of the new normal is that I'm sitting at a pristine table in our kitchen that is usually covered. And I don't know how it is for you. For me growing up, our dining room table always had the papers We always had a pretty clear kitchen table for eating. In this house, we just have the one food table, but it also becomes the homework and activity table, and it's pristine. And the kids did it. They wanted to bake. My husband crafted a schedule for them for the day to put some structure and some normalcy back in. And it's very not normal for them to do all the tidying themselves. And something we've lamented and wished about and hemmed and hawed. And usually we kind of chalk it up to, well, they're so busy with those activities that we don't necessarily force the issue. But they're fully capable and it didn't take very long. And they washed the dishes too after baking again today. Today was pumpkin bread, no more ice cream sandwiches for the day anyway. And so that's a not normal thing that I would firmly welcome into my new normal um, now and forevermore. And so there's possibility And my greatest hope through all of this is that we will extend ourselves in these not normal conditions into not normal behaviors that are favorable and begin to remember or begin to understand perhaps for the first time that we are all connected, that our actions impact one another locally and globally that we must learn from our neighbors. We have 
the gift of seeing what went well and what went poorly in other parts of the world and the opportunity to utilize the recommendations and implement them for an improved course for all that are in our country and for those who are going to be experiencing this kind of in that domino effect going forward. It's an opportunity to get creative and practice being connected, not just through those routine moments. And I don't downplay the importance of teams and practices and school routines, but some of it becomes so rote and routine that it can become less intentional. You know, we show up because we're always there at that time and that's great and that's important. I think about the classes at the gym, coaching those people and showing up in the class to work out alongside those people. And it takes effort to get there, but it also becomes something we're doing because we've always done it. And now we have to choose every day. You know, we're offering online programming and our athletes need to choose more intentionally to get up and do that workout in their own home without the usual motivators of the coach or their usual classmates. And they're doing it. And they're encouraging one another and they're virtually participating together and they're posting inspirational messages and they're seeing, you know, and you know now where your connections lie, people who are still reaching out to you and who's checking on you and recognizing that there are people at various levels of struggle that we might just ignore because they keep showing up and they're in their usual places and we think they're fine they got it all together. And then these crisis moments can kind of be that sifter. You know, we shake all the sand down what's remaining and help guide us on how to help each other and who might need a little more support and asking for that support when that who is us. And that's been me in these past couple days. You know, when I'm in the rhythm and moving forward, I don't know if I would say it's easier to get everything done that I'm supposed to do, but you just do it, you know, because you're on that trajectory and it's the usual and it's the typical and it's the normal. And now that all that's stripped away and there's so much more conscientious and intentional movement, I feel like I need a little more support and motivation than I did when I was just using kind of that inertia and momentum behind it. So recognizing what's good of the normal that we want to maintain, what wasn't serving us in the normal that we're happy to shed, what pieces we've lost from that that we want to restore but maybe on a better scale, and what we can do to make that happen, to make that our reality. And so I'll continue with these episodes and maybe actually get to the social media piece this is a prime time for me to learn how to actually use Instagram. And I've said that in further episodes, but maybe they'll take a global pandemic to teach me tech savviness. So please do share with me how it's going for you. Reach out and perhaps this opportunity for telemedicine can expand the experience of the osteopathic concept to support the health of the body, mind, and spirit of all who need that extra support during these not-so-normal times. So thank you for your time and attention this week, and I look forward to 
where these next few episodes will take us. This is Dr. Millie Beakey with This Osteopathic Life. Thank you for listening.